0: First Corinthians chapter 10 in your Bible. First Corinthians chapter number 10. And we're going to look and focus on verse number 10 today. We'll look at verse 10 through 13, 1 Corinthians 10. If you don't have a Bible, once again, please listen carefully. We love to use the Bible at Sparrow Baptist Church. I never want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it for yourself in your Bible. I love paper Bibles. If you have a digital copy, good on you, mate. That's not my thing. I'm a paper kind of a guy. I feel like I retain it a bit better and uh and 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 also i respectfully and sometimes very carefully kind of make some notes on there so that i can uh find the verses that i really like right or maybe god really speaks to me in a sermon uh, or a lesson that i'm studying and i make a little note so that i don't forget what god spoke to me about um, but we we encourage everyone to have a bible we, matter of fact if you don't have a full bible and you would like one there are full Bibles, the little little mini Bibles. Uh, Braden, would you grab me one of those, please? And these are free. If you would like one, you may have one. Um, it's a full King James Bible, pocket sized, and uh, and for some of you, it's large print pocket sized. Isn't that amazing? Honestly, right? What a blessing! Usually, the smaller the size Bible, the smaller the print. This large print compact Bible. If you don't have a Bible and you want one. Go grab it. There's six of them back there I'm seeing. Okay? And so those are free. First Corinthians ten and verse number ten. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples. That word means types. Right. For like a type or almost like we would say like a case study, something like that. All of these things happened unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition or for our learning upon whom the ends of the world are come. Meaning we're in the last days, we're in the last dispensation, we say, or the last little section of time before Jesus comes back and the world is over. That's what it's talking about. So the things in the Old Testament, he's referring to a story in the Old Testament. We'll look at it in just a moment. He's saying, don't murmur, don't complain, don't be negative. That's what he's saying. And there's some other stories we're not going to take the time to dig into. We're going to talk today about murmuring and negativity. Okay. Is it, is God okay with negative talk? Is God okay with us walking around being sour and negative all the time? Uh, he is not, but we're going to look into and study the topic of Murmuring and negativity. And how when oftentimes we find something in our life to be very negative about, that is actually God that is giving us an opportunity to change our life for the better. And if we respond in a negative way, our life will stay negative. But if we see this as an opportunity to act in trust Towards God, and in faith towards God, God will come through and he will reward us and help us. We'll see this in several different stories as we look. And let us continue as it says here in verse number 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. I'm above that. I'm above negativity. I'm above be doing those negative things that I've seen In Scripture, God says, no, don't be prideful. Don't be prideful about your situation. And verse 13, there hath no temptation or no testing taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able To bear it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. It is so easy to be negative. It is so easy to be sour. It is so easy to look at challenges in our life and murmur. God teach us today. Help me as I preach. I need your help. Help me to communicate your truth clearly. Help us to be not just a silly, positive people, but a people that approaches life by faith. Help us not to be negative. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to slide over here for a moment and grab my slides. I want to show you something. Loose lips might sink ships. This is a fuzzy picture. It's from World War II era. To have loose lips means to have a big mouth, susceptible to talking about everything and everyone. Sinking ships refers to anything from small acquaintances to long and hardy relationships, meaning if I just talk constantly negative, positive, everything, I don't have a filter, we say also then it can actually do damage to relationships. This saying is one from the World War II era and World War I and II, when sailors on leave from their ships might talk about what ships they sailed on or where it had come from or where it was going. If they talked too much, the enemy might would overhear them or perhaps a spy would overhear them with this anecdotal information that might later cause their ship to be tracked and bombed and sunk. Hence, this saying, loose lips sink ships. Oftentimes, we don't realize the impact of what we say. The Bible tells us more. If you take your Bible and go to James, Hebrews James, this would be in the back of your Bible. This entire chapter is devoted to the power of the tongue. Hebrews, sorry, James chapter 3, James chapter 3, gives a couple of illustrations here in regards to the power of the tongue. James 3, it says in verse 2, for in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, The same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Notice the connection between self-control, temperance, and being able to control your tongue. God says if you want to control your body, control your tongue. Oftentimes we don't draw that distinction, but he does right here. Verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth. I don't know why it's so cold in here. Some of you are looking at me like, why is it January in the room? I don't know. (laughs) Uh Can we run down and ask him to maybe kind of cut that, because, uh, or turn it down, or up, or sideways, or whichever way it needs to go? Because it's it's, um, it's a little too. Some of you are like, "Pastor, it's fine. Don't say, don't say anything." Um, we're not we're not ready for that just yet. It's still August. Okay. Let's look back at James three verse three. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. All these wildfires that are going on everywhere. How they start. I've heard the deepest news on why and how they start. Well, we can believe whatever we want to believe, but the point is, is that fires start with just a little flame, right? It says in verse number six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, members of our body, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. We could continue on reading. We're not going to. James chapter three is describing the power of the tongue. Loose lips. Sing ships. Oh, should we take a vow of silence and never speak? No, that's not what scripture is telling us. We're going to look at this story that is mentioned in first Corinthians 10 when it says, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. Let's take a look in your Bible at the story in Numbers 14. Numbers is all the way in the beginning. If you're new to your Bible, Numbers 14. Numbers details the journey of the children of Israel. They had just been rescued from Egyptian slavery and bondage. They had been in Egypt for 430 years, much longer than Canada has been a country in its current state. Much, much longer. 430 years they had lived this lifestyle of living under Egyptian bondage. God miraculously delivered them With 10 incredible, miraculous plagues. And finally, hard-hearted Pharaoh said, you may leave. So all of these people estimated 3 million. Okay, so think about this for a moment. This is actually a perfect illustration for us here in the GTA. The population of Toronto, roughly 3 million. Let's say we're just going to all get together and cross Lake Ontario and go across to New York. That's what it would be as a loose illustration of Moses leading the children of Israel across the Red Sea to the Promised Land, which at first it was the wilderness. They went across the Red Sea, amazing miracle of God. And then as soon as they get to the other side, were they at the Promised Land yet? They were not at the Promised Land yet. Where were they? They were in the wilderness. What did they need in the wilderness to survive? They needed faith. They needed God. But they also needed food and water. And the Bible details time after time after time after time, God mentions 10 times that when they needed something, they didn't pray, they murmured. Meaning they complained. And they complained to one another in their tents, the Bible says in Psalm 106. It says that they murmured in their tents, they talked about Moses, and they talked bad about God, and they just talked bad about the situation. You see, if we're talking negative, we're not using our faith. Let's look at the story. Numbers 14. Now, this is when they were supposed to be going across the Jordan River now, and now they're going into the Promised Land. And we know the end of the story where they had this amazing opportunity to get to where God was wanting them to go. But was the promised land without without problems? No, there were giants in the land. All Listen, negativity only sees the problems. Negativity focuses on the problems and not on the promises of God. Let me say that again. Negativity focuses on the problems and not on the promises of God. It doesn't exercise its faith by saying, God, I'm gonna trust you. God, I'm going to pray about this. I'm just going to sit and complain. And that's what they did. After they heard about the giants, 14 verse 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses. And against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Isn't it interesting that when we begin to think negative and we allow that negative spirit to flow, that we just start with the negative situation instead of focusing on the promises of God and saying, we can do this because God said we can get through this. Hey. There's a God in heaven, and he is greater than these giants, and we can do this with God's help, which is what both Joshua and Caleb said. But they listened to the other ten spies that were negative. Isn't it interesting that the people of Israel were not negative in and of themselves? But there were some key negative people. We're going to look at that in the New Testament in just a moment. Negativity often comes from some key people in our lives in our lives. Key people in key the some key people in our lives. We hear it, and instead of filtering it out and saying, no, I'm going to exercise my faith, I'm going to trust in God, we start listening to the reasons, we begin focusing on the bad, we focus on the negative, and then it becomes, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And listen, we hear, I'm listening to myself talk right now. God is good. Oh, I just heard myself say that. So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. When we hear ourselves say positive things, and not just positive talk, but when we hear ourselves say, trust God, and we hear ourselves say, this is the verse that God wants me to believe, and and we hear ourselves talk about God's word, and and we even hear ourselves pray out loud, it reinforces faith. Because it's not just me hearing something from someone else, but it's me hearing myself. And guys, the same is true with negative talk. Negativity is just voicing doubt. And it's reinforcing doubt. Why does God care so much about murmuring, is the word in our Bible. Negative talk, low mumble, negative sounding mumbling. And then as as, when you start on that road, you begin to explore all of the negative things. And and it, it came from these 10. There's giants. We can't possibly do what God's told us to do. It's impossible. And here's Joshua and Caleb. No, God said we can do it. We're greater with God's help. We can do this, guys. Who'd they listen to? As the kids song goes, the spies, ten were bad and two were good. You guys know that song? We won't sing it, don't worry. They listened to the ten. When they listened to negativity, now it became their own. If we're gonna stop being negative, we gotta stop listening to it. Can I say that again? If we're listen, if we're gonna live by faith, We have to listen to people who are speaking good things. That are speaking faith. That are speaking trust. Not just, not just nonsensical, uh, positive talk. Oh, it'll all work out in the end. That's not necessarily in the Bible. But if, but if someone says, we can trust God, that's in the Bible. If we, if, if, if we go to the Bible and we can see something from God's Word and it's reinforcing that faith, then we're going to live by faith. But if we're listening to negativity, we're going to live by doubt. We're going to live by fear. Negativity ends up sliding towards not trusting in God. Negativity ends up living in fear and doubt. They even go so far as to say in verse 2, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness? Okay, now hold on a minute. You're seriously telling me it would have been better for you to remain in Egyptian bondage? Let's talk about that for a moment. How how awesome was it for those 430 years being slaves to the Egyptians? You're saying, listen, you're saying it would be better for you to have remained in Egypt as slaves or for God not to have miraculously provided for you by giving you manna from heaven and and quail from heaven and water from a rock, it would have been better for you. Isn't it funny how when we start on that negative, we ignore the promises of God, but listen, we also begin to ignore the provision of God. What is gratitude? gratitude listen, people who are grateful are focusing on what God has done. People who are grateful are focusing on how God has provided. People who are grateful, listen, it's not that there isn't anything negative in their life that they couldn't focus on. It's the fact that they're choosing not to focus on it. Listen, Faith is focusing on the provision of what God has already done for you. God has been good to you. We made it through COVID, guys. Well, my life was tough and my things changed and I I, I lost some money. But you made it through. Can we not say that God's been good to us? That God is slow to anger, that he's full of compassion, that he's good. God has given you an amazing church family. You're sitting here today. He's good well, there's this one negative thing. God is not wanting us to ignore negative things. He's wanting us to filter it through faith. It's not one of these people who just wants to pretend like everything is perfect. Nothing in my life is ever bad. Oh, of course not. That's silly. But when bad things happen, we filter it through His promises and we filter it through faith. I am choosing to trust God because He's led us up to this point when He's saying that there are giants in the land. It's funny, when we start being negative, we make the problem so much worse. It's better for us to have died in the wilderness. Really? Look, you... You're saying that you would have exchanged that moment for seeing water come out of the rock miraculously, enough to feed and help three million people? Don't forget what God has done for you. Be grateful. Well, there's this negative thing. We'll talk about filtering that in just a moment. But if we begin to listen to negative people in the story, they listen to negative people, And listening to negativity gave them a new way to now look at their situation. Oh, I'm seeing this through negativity. I'm seeing this through doubt. I'm seeing this through fear. And then when they started repeating and they started talking to one another, now the negative situation grew and grew and grew and grew. Had they even seen any of these giants yet? They hadn't seen one. They hadn't even crossed the river. Negativity will stop you from going forward in life. God wants you to go forward. He wants to give you victory. He wants you to experience His promises and His blessings. And listen, that is going through negative things. It's not that God is going to clear all the negative things. He gives you the faith and the grace to go through them and not for them to stop us. Verse three, wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Now they're talking about going back. I've got a new plan. Listen. Don't make plans based on negativity. Negativity. Well, oh, pastor, this thing happened, it's kind of negative, so we're going to make a new plan based on negativity. Let's make sure that we filter that situation through faith. Let's make sure that we, we take the time to filter that through faith, that the negative comments, the worst things, guys, sometimes, what, what do we do? We get right on Facebook. Oh, my goodness, this is what's happened to me today. Why is that bad? Well, let me rephrase that. Why can that potentially be bad? Because there can be some negative people out there that jump on that and negative comment, negative comment, negative comment, negative comment. God is wanting you to get up and go through the Jordan and go to the other side and experience his amazing victory, even though you're fighting. But all these negative comments has held us back. Well, all these negative comments appeared on my social account, and so I think I'm probably going to make... A new life plan based on their negative comments. Really? That's the way we're going to do it? Begin to ascribe that God has some kind of evil intention. God brought us out here to kill us. How did this happen? They started listening to negative comments. They took them as their own and now they started voicing them. And now they're following the negative train and they're following those negative comments all the way down. Notice the contrast. Verse four, and they said one to another, let us make a, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And they go and they go to God. We can see here that that Moses and it says here Moses and Aaron in verse number five. They're hearing the negative comments. They're hearing the report that it is that it that that there are that there are giants in the land. And they take that and instead of just following the negative comments and saying, "Oh, we're just going to believe this this flow of negative comments," they fall on their faces and they begin to pray. Let's take our Bibles and go to the New Testament. And we'll look at another story. John chapter 12, please. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. There's a man named Will Bowen. He is not a Christian from what I can tell, but he was teaching a class in a college in Kansas City, Missouri on prosperity. And he was teaching out of a book called The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. Again, not not a recommendation, but uh, and I think this is a secular book. But the author of that book recommends that people go 21 days in a row without complaining because if you want to attract good things to you, you have to be a positive person. Again, secular viewpoint. So she threw, the author of this book threw out this idea that people should go 21 days in a row without complaining. And so this man, uh, this, uh, author and, uh, professor, Will Bowen, um, made up these bracelets, right? You've heard the the thing before where you can take like a rubber band when you have a negative comment, you can pop, like kind of remind you, don't do that. And the goal is to go 21 days without just murmuring, right? And they use the word being negative or making negative comments. Complaining is what they're talking about. The dictionary defines complain as to express grief, pain, or discontent, to express it. So by its definition, it must be expressed. He said, this author says that we think on average 45,000 thoughts a day. I just had a couple right there. Wow, that's a lot of thoughts. So it's really impossible for us to say I'm not going to have a negative thought. The goal is for us not to verbalize it. The goal is for us to not listen to negative thoughts of others let them become uh, something that resides in our heart for them to come out of our mouth. And then for what we say, remember, the tongue is like the rudder on a ship. It will begin to guide the direction of our life. If we can control this by faith and say, no, I'm going to trust God, it will help give our life a direction of faith. The dictionary defines complain as to express grief grief pain or discontent, this author defines complain as an energetic statement that focuses on what is missing and what you are lacking rather than what is present and what you are grateful for. He goes on to say that it is not complaining to speak directly and only to the person who can resolve your issue. For example, he gives an illustration that if he was going to Um, a restaurant and your soup is cold and needs to be heated up, you can speak to the waiter in a respectful way and say, my soup is cold, please heat this up or give me another bowl. A bowl of soup that is hot. Um, If you stick to the facts, which are neutral, that is not complaining. It's when you begin to explore the negativity in an entitled manner. It's interesting that a secular observer who's written a book on this is speaking truth that was written many thousands of years ago when God is talking to the the the, the nation of Israel here when he's talking about murmuring. Why did God judge the children of Israel with their murmuring? and say, because you would not obey me and go across the Jordan River and fight the battle, you are now going to wander in the wilderness. This generation is going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Guys, can I just say this? Some of us are wandering in our life. Our life of faith is typified not by victory, But by aimless wandering, why? Because we are addicted to negativity. We potentially have a heart that thinks that we deserve better. Why is this happening to me? God should be treating me better than this. When we don't realize that our own negativity, in part, is sinking our own ship. We are the ones that in some ways, because of we're negative, we see negative. We're not grateful for the good things that we that, that God has given us. God wants us to trust him. It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith that complains. Quotation from his interview talks about, He says, how dare you do this to me? Meaning I'm the center of the universe. God is, listen, God is glorified when Christians see the negative and trust him. You say, well, I have this negative situation in my family. I have this negative situation at work. I have this negative situation in a relationship that I care about. I have a negative relationship and we could just list them out. Deal with the issue. Facts are facts. Go to the person. Deal with it. But for us to step back and say, I'm going to make this negative situation a lifestyle of negativity, it results in everything sinking down, 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 down. A life of aimless wandering and a life where the promises of God seem so distant as if they don't apply to us. They do apply to us. You know what's interesting? is that when we talk about the children of Israel crossing the Jordan River and going into the promised land, there were giants there. That was true. There were some some battles to be fought on that side. We have to remember the hero of that story, if they were going to go across by faith, the hero of the story was God himself. But when they made the story about them, God, I can't believe you do this. It'd be better if I- like, And look how dramatic they are. Didn't life get so dramatic when we're negative? I just, I'm just gonna die. I wish I was dead. <laughs> you're gonna go right to death? That's, that's it. That's what negative does. I wish we died back then, or died there, or died now, and somebody's gonna die. And die, oh my goodness. Would you calm down? And quit making this all about you. God wants to take you on an, on an incredible adventure of faith. And if all we can do is look at the negative things and interpret everything through negativity, then it causes us to just sit there and, and wander and our life becomes meaningless. And we think, maybe it would have been better if I was just back. I mean, look at the unbelievers. It seems like it'd be better to be one of them. I mean, they seem happy. Seriously, do you remember what it was like being an unbeliever? Do you remember what it was like being, as it says in Ephesians 2, without God and without hope? Surely we see that it's much better to go through some negative things with God on our side. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Unbelievers can't say that, my friend. Let us not, let us not, you say I'm new here, I don't know why you're yelling. I'm yelling because I'm excited. I'm not mad. This is what I do, okay? You guys, if you've seen a video, this is me. We look, we need to get fired up about the good stuff. If they'd have listened to Joshua and Caleb, it would have saved them. It would have saved them 40 years of meaningless wandering. And how many t- Listen, friends... How many times did they wander close to the Jordan River and look across and think, if only, if only I'd approach this negative situation through the eyes of faith. Don't let that be you, my friend. Don't let that be you. There's a story in John chapter 12. This is right before Jesus dies on the cross. We know the story about this woman named Mary who comes to Jesus, has a very, very expensive, precious ointment, like perfume, an oily perfume, and comes behind Jesus, and as an act of worship, takes this box of ointment in a a stone container, in a soft stone of alabaster, And comes behind it and breaks that box over his feet and over his head. And the Bible says that the odor of the ointment filled the room. And it was this amazing act of worship. Listen, this amazing act of faith on Mary's part, Jesus describes, because She understood that he was going to die on the cross, but he was going to rise again. So she was worshiping him and anointing him before he was buried because he would rise again. He wouldn't be in the grave long enough for her to come back as some of the other ladies. They didn't quite understand the truth to this point that Mary did. Remember, on Easter morning, they came to anoint the body. But guess what? They were too late. But Mary got it. Listen, friends, when we walk by faith and not by sight, it allows us to see things that other people do not see, and it prompts us to sacrificially worship the Lord. But I'm going to show you exactly what happens when those of us who, in our own lives, in our own way, we love the Lord, we're trying to walk with God, we're trying to live by faith, and it promotes us to worship, that it will inevitably come out to negative talk. People will see what you are doing. People will look at what you are doing. They'll hear about you praising the Lord. They will see how much money you've given to God's work. And inevitably, the negativity will come out. Look at John chapter number 12. And verse 1, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Verse number three, then took Mary. Listen, my friends, Mary was the sister to Lazarus. If you go to the preceding chapter in John chapter 11, it details that where Jesus comes to Lazarus's tomb after he'd been dead for four days and said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that he which was dead came forth bound hand and foot in his grave clothes. This was the Mary. She had seen Jesus raise her brother from the dead. And she's like, oh my goodness, he's back in my house. I have got to do something to express my gratitude and my love for him. What a God! What a God, what a Savior. Hasn't he saved you, my friend? Hasn't he rescued you from hell? Hasn't he saved you from doubt and fear? Hasn't he saved your family and helped you? He absolutely has, and it prompts us to a life of dedication and sacrifice and worship. And she comes behind him and breaks this box, it says in verse 3, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment and everybody rejoiced and said, Mary, good on you. I get it. Your brother was dead and here he is sitting at, at, at the meal. No. No. As soon as they smelled, as soon as they saw. One of the darkest hearts, listen, one of the darkest and most evil hearts. That all of humanity has ever produced was sitting in that room, verse four, then saith after 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 you see, when we were reading in the Old Testament, we're looking at negative negativity before we take the step, now we're seeing negativity step. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, notice, notice how scripture knows exactly what's in Judas's heart. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. My friends, we have to be so cautious. We have to be so guarded and so careful. Oftentimes we don't think about where does this negative, where does this negativity, where does this negative comment start? Where did it start? If we were to take the time and go to Matthew and Mark when it records this, in the book of Mark it says, and some had indignation in themselves. They were upset because of what they saw Mary do and break this box. And they said, shouldn't this have been given to the poor? If you look in the book of Matthew, it says that everybody was upset. But the book of John details, where did that negativity start? Starting with Judas. We have got to understand that when we jump on the wagon of negativity, that we are walking behind Judas Iscariot. You say, that's being a bit dramatic. That's what it said. Again, we're not trying to pretend like everything in our life is all perfect because it's not. But let's filter it through prayer. Let's filter it through faith. Let's filter it through patience and and waiting for God to move and work. Let's make sure that we address the issue, the actual issue, and not just sink back into this rhetoric of negativity. Sometimes when we talk about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for the sin of the whole world, some people want to accuse God as being negative. Oh, you put your son on the cross, that's a negative. Oh, you want to talk about sin? Isn't everybody basically okay? But the fact is, is that if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we have to understand that the negative has to be approached through faith. We do have to accept the fact that we're sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 6, And verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why can the Christian have victory over the negative? Because Christ himself, our God, our Savior, died on the cross and took all of the sin of the whole world. Listen, we're talking about sin. We're not just talking about negative. We're talking about death. We're talking about the reason why this world has death in it. He took all of that upon himself. He died in my place so that I can live in the victory of faith and not have to live in the dregs of negativity. Amen. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in negativity. I don't have to live in doubt. I can live in victory. Why? Because Jesus took all of my sin upon himself on the cross. He died for me and he died for you. And because he did that, if we come to him with an open heart, not trusting in ourselves that we are righteous, not trying to convince ourselves, "Well, I'm a pretty good person. I I do this and I do that and I volunteer and I and I give money here to this charity and I and I treat people with respect and I and maybe I was did something religious at one time and maybe I'm a church member or maybe I've been baptized." You see that that doesn't pay for anybody's sin. There is none righteous. No, not one. There's nothing that we can do before God to justify ourselves. We all know what it means to justify ourselves is when you come up to your two children and you say, Hey, did you do this? And they say, Oh no, man, no, 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 no. They've got six hundred reasons why what they did was okay. And you're supposed to step back and say, Oh, well, all the parents are laughing and smiling. Those of you who don't have kids yet, you'll you'll learn, right? And, and if we're and if we're not and, and, and if we're honest with ourselves, we do that to God. Well, I know Jesus died for my sin, but we and we can go on our long list of why we're going to be okay. There is none righteous. No, not one. It's not ignoring the negative. Boy, doesn't the culture want to do that nowadays? They just want to ignore the negative but it's also not living on the negative. It's allowing the negative. It's allowing the sin. It's allowing the judgment that we righteously deserve to then realize that it's been placed on Jesus Christ at the cross. We have to look through it through the eyes of faith. God is teaching us to look at these negative things through the eyes of faith, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.